there is a, an old story where a young man challenged a, a village elder to an all-day wood chopping contest. And so they went at it. The young challenger worked very hard, grunting and sweating, his muscles aching as he he swung his axe relentlessly. The elder, on the other hand, seemed to be working half as fast. He even took breaks during the day and sat off to the side. At the end of the day, the young challenger was surprised and annoyed to find that the elder had chopped a lot more wood than he did. I don't get it, he said. Every time I checked, you seemed to be taking a break. How did you outwork me? The elder smiled and replied, Didn't you notice that when I sat down to rest, I was sharpening my axe? We all need to make the most of our time. And sometimes that means we stop to sharpen our axe, so to speak. And that's what we are going to explore this morning. We are continuing our walk through the Ten Commandments. And as a reminder, the Ten Commandments represent God's moral standards. Basic moral standards of right and wrong that have been placed in the conscience of man. But now, at the base of Mount Sinai, these standards are being formally declared by God for all the Israelites to hear. It was here that God gave His people the Ten Commandments. These ten essentials for their law as a new nation. And this morning we have reached the fourth commandment. A commandment that is about honoring God with our time. It says, and I am reading from Exodus chapter 20, beginning with verse 8, and we'll come back to there in a moment. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male or female servant, or your cattle or or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God tells the Israelites that for one out of every seven days, they are to rest In honor of God. That seems simple enough, right? Rest in honor of God. 
how could anyone mess that up? This is a commandment that has been completely distorted and twisted throughout history. It's a commandment that has led to more debate and bitter controversy than any other of the Ten Commandments. And it's a commandment that has been applied with such absurdity and judgmental legalism that it sucks God's intent of the blessing right out of it. Edwin Lutzer tells of a pastor during the time of the Puritans who lived in an area with a lot of ice and snow. And on one Sunday, the pastor decided it would be faster to skate to church. Well, after the service, the deacons called an emergency meeting to decide whether it was right for a pastor to skate to church on a Sunday. After several hours, they told him, yes, you can skate to church on Sundays just as long as you don't enjoy it. That's... That makes it all right, okay? I, 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 read another, I read another story of a sea captain who had been out to sea for three months. And when he got back, he was put in stocks for three hours. You know why? Because when he got back, he kissed his wife in public on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy stuff. It's absolutely absurd. It's crazy. And what's even crazier, this kind of absurd thinking persists in the church even today. So let's move ahead carefully (laughs) with this fourth commandment and I think the best way to move ahead is to first go backwards okay all the way back to where it began so if you have your Bible or your iPhone whatever you got turn to Genesis chapter 2 Should be easy to find. Genesis chapter 2, and we are going to read the first three verses. Come on, Travis. (laughs) There's a table of contents if you need it. (laughs) Yeah, the first book's of Booger, isn't it? (laughs) Okay. Here we go. Verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed His work which He had done. And He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because in it, he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Stop there. I felt it was necessary to begin here, because it was here at the end of creation, where we are first introduced to this idea, this concept of rest. We're told that God completed His work 
in the first six days. He was satisfied with it. It was good. And then on the seventh day, he rested. In this passage, the word rested is translated in Hebrew as Shabbat. Shabbat. And it's where we get our word Sabbath. Okay? And Sabbath simply means to cease. To stop. That's it. That's all it means. To cease or to stop. It wasn't that God got tired and needed a nap time. And it wasn't that he grew weary from all his work. Simply put, God finished with creation, so he stopped. Okay? We are also told in this passage that God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Meaning, he made it holy. He set this day apart. He elevated the seventh day because his creative work was fully completed and he was pleased with what he had done. God, the creator, stopped and took delight in his creation. It was a special day for God. And it also seems isolated to God. For at this point, there is no command given. Okay? There's no command given here. Hundreds of years go by through Genesis. Where we are told about Noah. And Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. And as far as I can tell, there is no reference to this this Sabbath day. This day of rest. It wasn't commanded by God... Until we get to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. And this is before the Ten Commandments were given. If you recall, the Israelites had been delivered from the Egyptians through the Red Sea. Remember that? Then after that, God had provided them with with fresh water from an undrinkable water source. But now, they are grumbling because they are hungry. Even suggesting that God brought them all the way out from Egypt just to let them starve to death. That's what God does, right? He was going to bring them all the way out from Egypt just to watch them starve to death. They did not trust God. So beginning with verse 22 of Exodus chapter 16, we are told, Now on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread. Two omers for each one. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, then he said to them, This is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. 
So they put it aside until morning, as Moses had ordered, and it did not become foul, nor was there any worm in it. I guess that's good. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be None. God wanted his people to trust him, to depend upon him on a daily basis. And to satisfy their hunger, God gave the Israelites manna from heaven. They were told that each day they can gather and cook the manna to sustain them For that day. But on the sixth day, they could collect and cook twice as much to cover the sixth and the seventh day. For here, the seventh day was commanded to be a Sabbath day for the Israelites. A day that pointed to the holiness of God. A day of demonstrating their faith in God. A day of rest and delight and devotion to God. And keep in mind, and this is important, this idea of rest had largely been foreign to the Israelites. For, if you remember, they had been in bondage in Egypt for 400 years, where no rest was given to them. As mistreated slaves, they did not get a day off from their labor. So this command by God to enter into this rhythm... This rhythm of work and rest, this rhythm first established by God at creation, should have been seen as a gift from God. For that's what it is. It's a blessing. It was to be seen as a blessing, not a burden. So after this experience with manna, they make it to Mount Sinai, where God formally gives the Israelites his moral standards, the Ten Commandments. So let's now go to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20 beginning with verse 8. I'm going to read this again. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son, or your daughter, your male, or your female servant, or your cattle, or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay. I want to quickly point something out here that is often overlooked. Although the main emphasis in this commandment is about the Sabbath rest, that's the main point here, if you notice, God also speaks about work. Do you see that? He speaks about work. God commanded the Israelites to work for six days. Both work and rest are a part of this 
weekly rhythm. The exact same weekly rhythm that God had established at creation. We are made to work. And if able, we should be working. Or at least engaged in something productive on a normal and regular basis. Otherwise, we are out of rhythm. We are to work hard. But we also need to rest well. Both work and rest are good for us. Now there's something else I want to say about this fourth commandment. And this is very significant. Okay? So pay attention. Pay attention, Russ. Okay. It's not repeated in the New Testament. Nine out of the ten commandments are mentioned in the New Testament. This is the only exception. This commandment is not quoted. However, the Sabbath is referenced multiple times in the New Testament, typically because the Jews often accused Jesus of violating it. The religious leaders had really distorted and twisted this commandment with their man-made rules and regulations. And they abused God's people with it. According to them, there were over 1,500 activities that were prohibited on the Sabbath day. Over 1,500. For example, this is, I'm not making this up. For example, you could not rescue a drowning person on the Sabbath. Yeah. Untying knots that needed only one hand was allowed. But if two hands were required, that was forbidden. If a man's ox fell into the ditch, he could pull it out. But if the man fell into the ditch, he had to stay there. Oh, this is a good one here. I gotta roll my sleeves up. If a man was bitten by a flea on the Sabbath, he had to allow the flea to keep on biting. If he tried to stop the flea from biting or killed it, he was guilty of hunting on the Sabbath. Can you see why Jesus butted heads with these religious leaders? They turned something that was meant to be a blessing from God for man into something that became an unbearable burden imposed upon man. And Jesus wasn't having any of it. That's why he said to them in Mark chapter 2 verse 27, and you know this, you know this passage, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath was not to be seen as a burden which people had to conform to. Instead, the Sabbath was intended to be a gift. A blessing of time for rest and delight and devotion. Something else I need to point out. The Sabbath day is the seventh day of the week. 
That is Saturday, not Sunday. In the Bible, the Sabbath day is never attached to a Sunday, as some may assume. It's always on Saturday. And actually, for a Jew, it starts at sunset on Friday and ends at sunset on Saturday. Therefore, to say that Sunday is our Sabbath would be incorrect. Sunday is not Sabbath. Okay? That kind of prompts a question, doesn't it? So, pastor, why are we here? <laughs> right? Why, why, why are we here this morning? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. Glad I asked it. <laughs> I want to say at the onset that nowhere in the New Testament, nowhere, are Gentile believers, and we are Gentile believers. If you're not Jew, you are Gentile. Nowhere in the New Testament are Gentile believers commanded to worship on the Sabbath. There are no rules, and there is no instructions given to Gentile believers about the Sabbath. And there were many opportunities to do so. For example, in Acts chapter 15, the Jewish council was convened in Jerusalem because it became clearly obvious to the Jewish Christians that Gentiles were also becoming believers by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It brought them great joy. But unfortunately, there were some in the church with strong Jewish legalistic roots who falsely taught that if these Gentile believers wanted to become true followers of God, they would need to follow the law of Moses. Their rules of Judaism. We're told that the apostles and the church leaders were all there at this council meeting. Peter attended this meeting. James, the half-brother of Jesus, was there. Paul and Barnabas were there. And the question was raised, what instruction do we give to these new Gentile believers. They need some guidance. What instruction do we give them? Well, here it is, beginning in verse 28 of Acts 15. Verse 28. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials. These essentials. That you abstain from things sacrificed to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication. If you keep yourself free from such things, you will do well. Farewell. That's it. That's what the Jewish Christian leaders passed on to the Gentile believers. This would have been a perfect time to give some direction about observing the Sabbath day. But no command, no reminder, no instruction was given to the Gentiles as to what they were to do on that seventh day. Nothing. To take this a little further, the Apostle Paul 
a Jew who ministered to the Gentile churches and addressed many different sins in his letters, never mentioned that failure to keep the Sabbath was a sin. Now with that said, Paul did give some very important insight to the churches on this topic because it had apparently came up. Turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 14. Romans 14. In this chapter, Paul is talking about judging one another over legalistic matters. And he says in verses 5 and 6, One person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observes it for the Lord. Let's stop there. In this passage, Paul lets us know that he is talking more about the principle of honoring God with our time rather than a specific day. And he opened up the idea that depending on one's personal conviction, any day can be devoted to the Lord. For Paul, it was a matter of the heart and devotion to God rather than a day of the week. And that was the direction he gave to the early church. Follow your heart, consider the issue, and come to your own conclusion. And that's exactly what they did. The early church eventually met on Sunday. The first day of the week. Because Sunday was the day that Jesus rose from the grave. It was Sunday that Jesus first met with his disciples after his resurrection. And it was Sunday that Pentecost occurred. So historically, Sunday... The first day of the week became the day that the church gathered together. And this is referenced in Acts chapter 20 verse 7, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 2, and also in Revelation chapter 1 verse 10, where it is not called the Sabbath because it can't be called the Sabbath. It is called the Lord's Day. Now if you have any doubts... I have one more passage to share with you from Paul in Colossians chapter 2. Great book. Colossians chapter 2. Paul is writing to the church at Colossae. And he is dealing with the problem of Gentile believers being intimidated into legalistic practices by false teachers who claim to have the inside track with God. So in his letter, Paul explains to his readers that Christ is all you need. Christ has to be your everything. And in regards to the religious intimidation, Paul says... In verses 16 and 17. Colossians 2, 16 and 17. He says, Therefore, 
No one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a what? A Sabbath. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Paul tells these believers not to be intimidated by these false teachers, nor accept their legalistic judgments against them regarding food and drink, various religious observances. And if you notice, he specifically calls out a Sabbath. Paul wasn't, he wasn't condemning food or drink or saying or condemning these religious observances or even condemning the Sabbath day for that matter. But what he was saying was they were not binding on Christians and he explains why. Paul says, this is so important, Paul says these things, these rules to include the Sabbath, are only a shadow, not the substance. And I need to explain this. I was in the doctor's office on Friday morning. I was sitting in the waiting room, a little impatient, Waiting for someone to come through the door to call my name. You've all been there, right? At the bottom of the door, there was a gap between the door and the floor. And I could see there was light on the other side of that door. Okay? You following me? As I waited, there came a moment where I noticed that the light that I could see under the door was partially blocked. And I could now see a shadow under the door. That told me that someone was blocking the light and casting a shadow. Someone was standing behind that door. And I anticipated that someone would open the door and call my name. Was I there to see the shadow? No. I wanted to see the person casting the shadow. The shadow was not the substance. It only pointed out the substance and created anticipation in me. What Paul is telling us here is to stop chasing shadows. The Sabbath day, which represents rest, is merely the shadow of the real rest that is only found in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the reality casting the shadow. He is our rest. In fact, He tells us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to Me... All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. In six days, in six days, God created the heavens and the earth. Man did not do a thing. And after God finished... All his work, after he completed creation, he rested, right? 
on the cross. And through the resurrection, Jesus did all the work necessary for our salvation. Our recreation, if you will. He did all the work. And now we get to enter into His rest. In Christ, for those who believe, Christ finished the work. He did it all. He did it all. And we get to enjoy His rest. I want to wrap this up. And I thought it might be helpful. You know me, right? Keep it simple. I thought it might be helpful for the sake of context. Context is important, right? You know this. To consider the first four commandments together as a whole. Okay? The first four commandments focus on our relationship with God. And when Jesus Himself linked them all together, and He did, when he linked them all together into one commandment, he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is about a relationship with God. And in this relationship, God wants time with us. Let's keep it simple. In this relationship, God wants time with us. He wants us to set aside some time to stop what we are doing. To stop advancing our own agenda. To stop building our own kingdoms. And to spend time with Him. Devoted to Him. In some respects... When considering our relationship, this fourth commandment is God's way of saying He just wants to spend time with you and me. Yes, He knows we are busy, oftentimes too busy. And he gave us six days for that. He just asks that we make a date. That we make a date and spend time with him. Don't turn it into some legalistic, guilt-ridden burden. Instead, enjoy the blessing that it was intended for. To spend time with your Father. That was the intent. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. We love you, Lord. We love you. I'm just amazed that 
or, or even in a relationship with you. That in spite of us, in spite of us, you love us. In spite of us, even though we were still yet sinners, you sent your son Jesus to die for us. You love us that much. It's mind-boggling, Lord. I can't comprehend that kind of love. But it is what it is. You love us. And you desire a relationship with us. Father, I pray that you would continue to draw us to yourself. To draw us to your Son. Father, you know we're busy. Even admit too busy. And I don't think you're asking for much, Lord. Father, help us to cherish our relationship with you and how we honor you with our time. Quite frankly, Lord, every day should be a day of devotion to you. Help us, Father, to love you, to trust you, and obey you. May you be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been married for over 40 years to the same woman. (laughs) Just let her know that. (laughs) To, to To the same woman. We have a good relationship, Trish and I. In any good relationship, any, any relationship, that requires an investment of time. Right? It requires an investment of time. My wife is important to me. And so I give her my time. I am important to her. And she gives me her time, her attention. Because she's important to me. I love her. She loves me. You understand that, right? I I can't stress enough how important this relationship with the Lord is to Him. To Him. Isn't that amazing? To Him. He desires to hear your voice. He loves us that much. He wants to hear your voice. He wants you to spend time with Him. I was thinking about this this Sabbath thing, and and uh, you know, honestly, for me, for me personally, my day is not is not Sunday. I think my day actually is Saturday. I go hiking. I go hiking in the mountains. I got my I got my my Christian music on. I'm talking to him. I'm getting inspiration from him. It's just a, it's just a meaningful time where it's just me and him. It's just it's just him and I. Just just enjoying this relationship. For you, it might be another day. We don't want to turn this into some legalistic burden. This is a time where we where we enjoy him, where we devote ourselves to him, where we worship him, where we delight in Him. Just as He delighted in His creation, we delight in Him. He loves us. Maybe you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What I'm saying to you just doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't ring true. It's not reverberating. Jesus loves you madly. 
He is madly in love with you. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to the cross to die for you even while you were still yet in your sin. That's wild. Wild. We deserve death and hell. We deserve death and hell. But Jesus took our penalty for us. He stepped into our place. He took our death so that we might experience life through Him. He just asks us to respond, to repent of our sin, to place our faith and trust in Him, and to surrender to Him as Lord. You're my Lord. Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. That's what He asks. It'll be life-changing. Maybe you're looking for a church home. Maybe this is it. What you see is what you see, right? <laughs> We're just some, just some country people and we love the Lord. That's right, absolutely. Maybe, maybe the Lord's burdened your heart in another way. You just need someone to talk to. What, whatever it might be, I just ask that you respond to Him in obedience. He loves you. Don't ever forget that. And He just wants to spend time with you. And we need to spend time with Him. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, just a reminder, we have uh, uh, lunch back there. So, uh, I think, what is it, nachos or something? Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, something like that. So let me, let me pray for our offering. Just to remind you, our offering baskets uh, are in the back there. I see one over here and back there. And then also, I'll pray for our fellowship. Father, uh, thank you so much for uh, bringing us here this morning. Uh, Heavenly Father, I pray that it was a, it was a blessing uh, to you and to your people. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just pray that you just continue to draw us to yourself. And Lord God, I just, I just pray that we would just be just absolutely in love with you, as I know you are in love with us. Father, I pray for our offering this morning. Father, I pray for the gift and the giver. Lord, help us as a, as a church uh, to use your money uh, wisely. And Lord God, I pray for our fellowship. I, I pray, Lord God, it would be sweet, that we would have a good time with one another, that we would encourage one another. Lord, I pray for our food that we're to partake of. Bless it to our bodies. Bless those who prepared it. And bless those who are working in the kitchen. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.